Hi, welcome to the On Becoming Educated podcast, where I, Pa Vu, will share my experience as a first-generation PhD student. I remember sending this message to one of my mentors. I don't know if I'm competitive enough to go to graduate school. I've had a lot of time to think about that comment, and I realized that I actually wasn't quite sure what competitive meant. In all honesty, I also wasn't sure who I was comparing myself to. I think I was actually comparing myself to young scholars just coming out of undergraduate school, which didn't make any sense at all. Luckily, my mentor said to me, Pa, you got into a PhD program right out of undergraduate school. If anything, you're even more competitive now than you were before because of all the professional experience you've gained. And of course, he was absolutely right. I had disqualified myself without fully considering all of my qualifications. In another instance, I was sitting across from two of my college professors. The last time I was in either of their classes was 2008, 12 years ago. When I shared my indecision about graduate school with them, one of them said, I was also indecisive, but a friend said to me, how many times have you thought about this already? And are you going to be thinking about this again next year? It doesn't hurt to apply. You know what's funny is that I give this advice to students all the time. It doesn't hurt to apply. Apply now, decide later. If you don't apply, you'll never know. But it took another person to say it to me for me to realize that if I didn't at least apply, I'd be in the same spot next year. I would have seven more mentors and cheerleaders by March 2020 when I decided on which school to attend. Some of them I only spoke to once. Some of them I spoke to every day, in person, through text messages, through emails. Some of them wrote letters of recommendation. Some of them provided moral support. And some of them were just there to celebrate with me when I got good news and to validate me when I got bad news. This last part is so important because for first-generation college students, our family and friends might not really understand the insignificance of getting accepted into a PhD program, especially competitive PhD programs, and all the work required to even just submit your applications. I'm absolutely grateful for all my mentors and supporters and no, I wouldn't be going to grad school without them. So why did it take nine mentors and cheerleaders to convince me that I was good enough for grad school, for a PhD program? I think as a first-generation college student, as a student of color, as an underrepresented minority, as a woman, I sometimes forget that there are people out there who want me to succeed, who have made it one of their priorities to make sure students like me succeed. One of my mentors said to me, I want to tell you something, and I don't know if people have told you this, but anyone I've met who has worked with you has only said how smart and well-spoken you are. You will be fine in a PhD program. I didn't know where to look when she said this. I've never been very good at taking compliments, although I've become better at it. And I'm not sharing this to boost my own ego, but to show you that I needed to hear this. I needed to hear someone who has gone through a PhD program tell me that I was smart enough to be a PhD student. I think my mentor sensed my self-doubt immediately, and she decided to give me a much-needed confidence boost. 
Here are four reasons why it's important to have mentors and cheerleaders, especially when you're just starting to think about graduate school. One, they can give you all sorts of guidance from how to reach out to potential advisors to what you should consider when choosing schools. They can give you information about theories, programs, studies, and people who can give you more information. They can also just answer any questions you might have about the whole application process, which in and of itself is already super stressful. I'm actually planning to do an episode just on the application process itself a little bit later because there is so much to it and it could be very stressful and I want to make sure that um, I give as much information as I can while the process is still fresh in my mind. So be on the lookout for that. Number two, they can help you develop your personal statements so that your interests and experience really shine through. I think this is especially important if you haven't been a student or haven't been doing research in the discipline in which you want to study. A mentor, especially one who is also a professor, can help you find just the right words to use. They can say, don't write about this because it's already been disproven, or check out this methodology because it's really important right now. And I don't think you can really get that anywhere else than from a mentor who's currently teaching in the field that you want to go into. Number three, they can ask you questions that'll poke holes in your process and your ideas. You want these types of questions because they'll help you think beyond what's just in front of you. Here's an example. I have a master's degree in education. When I first started thinking about going back for my PhD, I for some reason decided that I didn't want to go back to the field of education, even though I'm working in education right now. And my whole career has been in education. I know, it makes no sense now, but at the time, I thought I was totally making the right decision. I decided that instead of education, I wanted to do my PhD in linguistic anthropology. My undergraduate degree was in English and linguistics, so it wasn't like I was straying too far from my experience. But at least half of my mentors and cheerleaders asked me why I'm not considering education. And in the end, I couldn't come up with a good enough answer to that question. So I decided to apply to three PhD programs in education. And here's what's really interesting. Out of the seven programs I applied to, I've heard from five so far. It's early March right now. Two of them are yes, and three of them are no. And guess which two said yes. If you guessed education, then you're absolutely right. Now, I will never be absolutely sure why I wasn't accepted to the other programs, but I know that alignment is really important. Alignment with your experience, alignment with your previous studies, and alignment with your interests. And so those could be the reasons why I wasn't accepted into the other programs. But it was obvious from my application that I was really well aligned with the education programs. And that's why I was accepted into those programs. And I don't think I would have even applied to those programs if it hadn't been for my mentors and my cheerleaders asking those questions and poking those holes that really encouraged me to consider even applying to education programs. Number four, they might note someone at the school that you're applying to. Here's an example. When a program accepts you, it's because at least one professor recommended you for admission based on the application you submitted. Usually, it's more than one professor. 
To my surprise, the professor who recommended me for admission at one of the schools I had been accepted to knew my master's degree advisor really well. I had forgotten how small academia can actually be when you filter it all down to the specific fields of study. And I have no doubt that this relationship helped tip the decision positively. So because of all these things and more, choose your mentors and cheerleaders carefully. Some of your mentors might also be cheerleaders, and some of your cheerleaders might also be mentors. All of them will provide different types of support at different stages of your application process, and even beyond the application process. Some of them will give you advice that will be super useful right away, and some of them will give you advice that you might not use at all, but having the option to use that advice matters a lot. So how do you start developing these mentoring relationships? You know, to be honest, I feel like I was just in a great position because I actually worked on a college campus. And so I had a lot of access to people who worked in academia. I met some of my mentors through cross-campus collaborations on projects. Some of them are direct supervisors and others are professors who have been my advisors. Here's the important thing to remember. I knew all of these people before the mentoring part of the relationship started. Some of them had mentored me in the past, but because I've been a student services professional for the last nine years, many of the relationships had morphed to professional colleagues or even friends. So the actual mentoring for graduate school didn't start until one important moment, the moment I revealed to them that I wanted to go back to school. The moment I revealed that our relationship morphed from a professional relationship back again to the mentor-mentee relationship. Here are some tangible steps I took that might help you. 1. Contact potential mentors and let them know you want to go to grad school and why you want to go to grad school. The why is really important. I think my why really helped my mentors understand how important getting a PhD was to me. Number two, some of these potential mentors could be professors who you worked closely with in the past or currently if you're currently a student. They could be supervisors, colleagues, friends. You should always have at least a couple of professors as mentors, especially if you desire to follow in their footsteps and become professors, a professor yourself. There's no need to travel blindly through a dark forest when the path has already been paved by these professors and others who came before you, so make use of that. Number three, ask to meet with them for a cup of coffee or a cup of tea. It's always best to talk to them in person if you can. But if you can't, then an email will do. Um, it'll start the conversation. Most of my mentors I met with in person, but one of them actually lived in Thailand. So we chatted a lot online through Skype and some other um, online platforms. Number four, share your potential schools with them and be open to their questions and ideas. They might send schools and programs to you too. And if they do, take a serious look at them. In the end, I think that most mentors and cheerleaders want to support you in what you want to do and where you want to go to school, but, you know, they're also excited about your potential. So they might just give you some ideas to consider. Number five, ask kindly for things you need, like letters of recommendation and writing feedback, but also take notice of cues that they're giving you. Are they excited to support you through this process? Are they asking a lot of questions? Are they sending you information? Are they offering to do specific things for you? Are they asking to be kept in the loop about the application process and anything news you might receive? 
If they are, then I think you could possibly assume that they're really interested in supporting you through this process. If they aren't responsive, you might consider why they aren't responsive. Are they too busy to support you? Are they not interested in supporting you? And if they aren't, it's good to know so that you don't keep bothering them. Not everyone wants to be a mentor, and that's totally fine. So it's important for you to uh, to be on the lookout for these cues. And if somebody is not um, going to have time to mentor you through this process, then it might be good to look elsewhere for a mentor who is going to have the time and the desire to mentor you. Number six, share your gratitude and share it often. I've shared my gratitude to my mentors and cheerleaders in emails, in cards, and in person. Each thank you includes a why. Why am I grateful to them for what they did? I think adding why makes the thank you so much more genuine. And I've thanked them almost through every step of the application process because I just feel that they're giving so much of their time and I wanted to just share with them how much that means to me. So here are some last words. Having mentors and cheerleaders who believe in you is so important, especially as first-generation college students who are applying to grad school, whether it's the first time, the second time, or the third time like me. It makes the whole process easier, it makes it less lonely, and it also makes the process more hopeful. So if you're thinking about going to grad school, I suggest finding a group of mentors and cheerleaders early on so that you don't feel lonely in this whole process. Thank you for listening. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcast or the podcast listening platform of your choice to be notified when new episodes are up. If you would like to support this podcast, a rating and review would go a long way. Podcasts with ratings and reviews are more likely to be found by listeners. So I would appreciate it so much if you can take a few minutes to rate and review this podcast. Lastly, you can access transcripts and show notes and submit listener questions at www.onbecomingeducated.com.